It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Erickson kicks it in, and it's Good evening, wherever you are listening from around the world, this is the last word on Spurs and we are looking back at that thumping win against Chelsea at Wembley. Now, just a reminder for you guys that we are still on Love Sport Radio. We're going to be on there for 30 of this week, where we'll be hopefully looking back on a win against Inter Milan. If you want to get in touch with the show, and hopefully, by all means, give us a call to discuss Spurs beating Inter Milan in the Champions League, you can do that by calling us on 0208 702558. That's 0208 702558. And of course, if you are calling from outside the UK, all you need to simply do is add plus 44 in front of that number. Now, once again, we'll be on the radio between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. That's 7pm to 9pm in the UK. And of course, if you want to listen to the show, you can do that by listening on 558am or on DAB Radio. The show is also on the Love Sport website and across their app. But for now, enjoy, I'm sure, is going to be one of our shows of the season. 
Joining us to review that Chelsea win, we've of course got Jason McGovern joining myself alongside Jason. First up, we've got Alistair Gold, Spurs journalist for Football London. And alongside Alistair, we're delighted to also have on huge YouTuber, Spurs mad, Chris Cowling joining us. What a show. Hope you enjoy it. Joining me first up, of course, I've got Jason McGovern with me. Jace, how are you? Smashing, mate. It's been a been a brilliant day to beat Sri Lanka three 0 It's just just the perfect start to the uh, to the week for me. What are you talking about, Jace? What are I you talking about? We beat Chelsea as well, didn't we? I forgot about that for a second there. No, I thought it was a Sri Lanka podcast for a minute. So it's all right, mate. We're covering all bases tonight. Don't be silly. Football cricket will be there. And I said, we've got two massive guests joining us tonight. First up, returning to the show, we've got the brilliant, one of the top journalists out there connected to Tottenham. It's Alistair Gold from Football London. Alistair, how are you? All right, mate. Thank you very much for having me. No, be silly. It's our pleasure. Great to finally have you back on. And joining Alistair, Jason tonight, it's a debut. And what a time to make your debut. It's massive YouTuber, huge Spurs fan, author, writer. Chris, you tell me I've left any out. Chris Cowling joins us. Chris, how are you? I'm very well. Very, very great result and uh, glad to be on the show at last. Oh, fantastic. Well, delighted to have you here, Chris. I'm sure it's going to be, I'm already saying it, one of our best shows of the season. Not to put any pressure on you chaps. It's going to be a belter. <laughs> I'm going to come first to you, Jay. So I've got to kick off and say, Jay, Spurs, without a stadium... Multiple injuries and not to have made a single summer signing, destroying Chelsea at Wembley and also ripping up in the process their unbeaten record and producing what has to be, Jace, our best performance of the season to date. A team display. What did you make of it, Jace? Well, on behalf of all our loyal listeners, and without Matteo Kovacic in the side, who, of course, you've been calling for all summer. But Hold on, we'll, I'll pick you up we'll, on that shortly. Go on. We'll gloss over that one, shall we? No, it was was a fantastic performance. We we were at it from from kick off. You know the goal when you think you scored in the seventh minute and the goal already seems long overdue. I think that that sums it up. And you know what? A minute later, that that lovely little dink from Ericsson to Sonny should have put that away. Then we get the the, the second goal anyway, and it was just relentless and the hounding and um, you know what a what a fantastic performance. Definitely our best performance this season. It's our best performance. Probably, probably since the Liverpool game last year, the four-one. I mean, we had some good performances after that. Don't get me wrong, but to play at that that speed and that that intensity against such a good side for so long and and beat a good side so comfortably was uh, was full credit to them. It was was a brilliant brilliant night. And the, the one disappointment, I suppose, is that it it was only three because I mean Harry Kane. Now he missed that chance from under the bar. I don't know and. and had it been five or six, I don't think anyone could have uh, would have been surprised. No, I think you're right there, Jace. I think the scoreline flattered Chelsea in the end. And bringing you in, Alistair, I mean, we remember this Spurs side that finished second and third in the Premier League previously, you know, ripped opponents to shreds. You know, I'm thinking of the games that, you know, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea and Real Madrid, when we blew them off the pitch and took them to town. Was that performance against Chelsea reminiscent of just what this Spurs team can do when they're at their best? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that Pochettino has been calling for all season is aggression. He just That's what he demands of his players. He says if they go in with this aggression, they're capable of anything. And they did it. They, they went in from the first minute. Like Jason said, they were just absolutely in their faces at it. I'll be honest, I know, I know result kind of um, withstanding. That's my favourite version of a Pochettino Tottenham side. The aggressive, the pressing, you know, giving the opponent absolutely no time. I think when they come away from that tactic, they're, they're much less effective. And, you know, they scared the 
whatever's you out of Chelsea. You can say it, Alistair. You uh, can say it. <laughs> <laughs> they, Chelsea just had no time on the ball. They've given the ball away every, you know, every couple of seconds. You know, Jorginho, past master uh, of the Premier League, apparently this season, didn't know what to do with the ball. Um, they just hounded them everywhere. And I, I love that version of the Tottenham team. It's, it's such a, a, a great version of the team. And as Jason said, you know, it should have been even more. You know, Hongmin Son, it's one of these guys I always kind of refer to him as he's probably not a great goal scorer, but he's a scorer of great goals. He misses yeah. like a few easy chances and then he'll score something like that, which is, it's got to be up there one of our goals this season. Probably, well, probably will be it by the end of the season. Apparently that goal is not in Sky's best four of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's to do with rights, isn't it? Mm. And BT having the game, all that sort yeah. of yeah. But you do think, even like I say, the, the quality of that goal, if, if you don't air it, you can't pretend it didn't exist because it was an absolutely wonderful, wonderful goal. And Chris, I want to bring you in because having won ugly for most of the season, Spurs, I mean, that's ultimately the performance that we've been waiting for, hasn't it? I mean, that is a display of our true quality, what this team can possess and can do to other teams. Well, you're right. We, we did absolutely destroy Chelsea. It wasn't just uh, we beat them. It was literally from first minute right up until the last minute. We annihilated them. Um, if Harry Kane, Ali and uh, Sonny were on top form, um, you know, it could have been six, seven or eight. And, you know, the amount of chances that we had um, in some of the games so far this season, we have failed to even have a shot on target in the first half. But the first half performance was exceptional. Um, only 2-0 up at half-time. Uh, the scoreline did flatter them. Um, but it, overall, it was a terrific performance. And people are forgetting as well that we've still got so many players out injured. And whoever mm. seems to come in at the moment for Pochettino seems to be doing the job. And if you ask any of us Spurs fans, after 13 games, we've won 10 of them in the Premier League. <laughs> and really, we've, we've played well in, a, you know, in my opinion, the Chelsea game in the second half at Manchester United. The others have, have not been that great. Um, you know, we were all taking it. And, you know, to be only a few points off, you know, we're sitting in third place. Um, just behind, you know, big money spenders, Man City and Liverpool. It is a great place to be at the moment. Mm. And I want to pick up there on the point you made there, Chris, and just answer that one for you because you mentioned there, you know, the likes of Trippier, Aurea, Sanchez, Vertonghen, Rose, Dembele, Eriksson, Ali. All of those players have been out recently. We've hardly dropped a point in that period, and you know, to put in a performance like that, I mean, when Spurs played the way they did against Chelsea, I mean, you'd only say maybe Man City. Would you argue, Chris, have only got maybe a higher ceiling of a performance when it clicks like that? I mean, it was just sensational, was it, from minute one to minute ninety that game? Absolutely. And on our day, uh, you know, we've got one of the best teams in the Premier League. And it's just a shame that in the past few years, we've not pieced it all together and actually been like real title contenders and, and you know, going for the title. Because in that form, it just shows that we could beat anyone. Uh, we've got some superb players. And this is why it's uh, frustrating to a lot of fans when, when people say, oh, we should be making big money signings. Well, when you've got performances like that and, and the way people are playing... Um, it's very, very hard to, to think where, where we improve um, throughout the team. Mm. Can't disagree with that. And 
listen, the, the show is all about the listeners. We've got loads of listener questions we're going to try and get through. So, Alistair, I'm going to come around to you first for a listener question. This is from John Wardell at Old Jub. He says, is it my imagination or did we see the return of the high-pressing, quick-breaking and general higher-intensity play that we used to see a couple of seasons ago to such great effect? In my opinion, that style of play has been missing this season with a slower tempo and greater emphasis on possession. What do you make of that one, Alistair? Yes, pretty much what I touched on on earlier. Yeah, it is that version of Tottenham. Um, I think Pochettino did it certainly in his first couple of seasons and then he started to realise that his team was tailing off towards the end of the season. They were absolutely knackered. It, obviously, it's, it's a, a system that takes a lot out of players. So what he kind of adapted it to do is it's a more a selective kind of matches he'll use it in. Some games it'll be more possession-based, some it'll be pressing. And yeah, like I said, I love it. And it just works so well. And the job Ali did as well on Jorginho was absolutely perfect. He somehow managed to absolutely nullify Jorginho while also being an attacking threat himself. I mean, how many players can do that? Mm. Don't forget, was he 22 now? That's incredible. It's like, he's such a young player, but he's tactically so astute, um, you know, and he's so disciplined. Um, and it's just a fantastic young player and you know and to sign him up on a new deal recently um, says everything about the future doesn't it really oh most certainly hopefully his peak years are at Tottenham and coming back round to you Jace you know Janet Ilias asked the question I think I understand why he asked this because Match of the Day seems to focus a lot on the fact of how Chelsea played he says why do we never seem to get the credit for a big win seems like it's always the opposition that failed to turn up can you understand his point on that one Jace? Well, I think if you'd have read Neil Ashton's match report, it was 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 a fantastic match report. So we certainly got it from from him for a change. I think there was plenty of praise in, in Tottenham's performance from the from the bees. I mean, you know, when you got Ryan Mason sitting in a TV studio, it was definitely all going to be about Tottenham. And Rio Ferdinand was was full of praise for us after the game as well. So I, I, I think there was plenty of praise. But you know, I, I think it, you know probably if you're a a balanced analyst, you would be praising Tottenham, but you would also be ripping into into Chelsea at the same time. So it was just, uh, it was. I think that's just the. I think you're always a little bit more sensitive to it when it, when they're talking about your club. And probably if if that had been, I don't know, Manchester City ripping into Chelsea, we'd have probably heard all the praise for for them. But when it's Tottenham, you you tend to be a little bit more selective in in some of what you hear and some of what you read. But I, I think there was plenty of praise for us overall, and and listening to to some of the, the other podcasts today, your football weeklies and the games and things, there, there was plenty of, of praise for Tottenham within those as well. Purely on that, I think a lot of the fact that Spurs did get praise out of it comes from Sarri. You know, um, yes. kind of sat well, pretty much right in front of him during his press conference. Mm. And he really came across so well, really classily. His first instinct, whenever anyone kind of, they tried to turn it around to Chelsea's failings and how bad they were. But he said, look, yeah, there are problems we've got to sort out, but... Tottenham were, were fantastic, you know, and it could have been a heavier scoreline. And, you know, the mistakes we made, that that's you can get away with that against other teams, but against a team like Tottenham. And he just absolutely laid it on. And I think that probably set the tone. I think that meant that the media then really couldn't kind of go in on a, a Chelsea or so awful kind of narrative if that if anyone wanted to do that because Sarri had said no look you've got to praise Tottenham they did what they had to do and they came in they demolished us he was asked about the, the penalty incident he said we were so bad for 93 minutes it had no no consequence at all no you know it didn't change anything so what about the penalty and and that's what I like to hear you know don't hide behind a referee when you've been poor for 93 minutes that's for sure 
And so full credit to Sarri for that. Alistair, I just wanted to ask, I know you're very pro-Tottenham um, in a lot of your articles, but a lot of the media, I think, are very negative about Tottenham a lot of the time. Would you agree with that? Um, it depends. It depends. There's certain aspects, there's certain... Uh, I think everyone has a slight allegiance. We all try and be objective. You know, obviously, I make no kind of... Um, I don't hide the fact that, obviously, I am a Tottenham fan, but I do try and be objective in my articles if, if I have a reason to... Slate what Tottenham are doing or what Pochettino's doing or Levy's doing or any of the players are doing. I certainly will. I'd, I'd, I'd hope I'm not pro-Tottenham, if you see what I mean. I'd, I'd try and just kind of report what I see. And I like to think the bulk of journalists do do that. You get the old odd ones that have, um, you know, um, maybe a line they're trying to, an angle they're trying to fill before they fill their copy or before they actually fill the page. And, and perhaps that mm. influences what they say, but and also, I suppose when we come to TV, we've also got to understand there's the the viewership, the the amount of fans that certain teams have. Um, Spurs aren't there yet. Hopefully, one day they will be. But there are, God. in terms of numbers <laughs> of fans, you know, out there, there's more people that want to watch certain things, and that's why I do think Spurs get. It's probably more left out of. T- about things like titles and things like that more so than they're actually kind of persecuted I think they just get left out of stuff purely because the fan base is slightly smaller Mm. Coming around to you Chris James of Suffolk at Spurs in Suffolk says Spurs are back Gems being found again Foy from Winks in brackets examples a manager of top quality a stadium I never thought possible I would see is now the time to dream is now the time to dare Coys what about that one Chris? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, are Tottenham back? I think I think we are back, and uh, you know, time will tell. This is a very very hard week, you know, for any team playing the likes of Chelsea, Inter Milan, and Arsenal in you know space of seven days. You know, time will tell. But based on the performance, um, you know, at the weekend, let's just hope that we carry that into the next two games and and get another six points. You know, three in the Champions League, three in the Premier League, because. It's all about beating the big teams, and you know it's no bigger. It's you know not going to get any bigger week than this, you know, in the near future. So time will tell. I think six points this week is still possible, but I don't think you'll get three performances like that Saturday. It's it's incredibly hard to to put three performances like that together inside seven days. So you know we may well go to the Emirates and win. We may well beat Inter, but uh, to play at that intensity and that speed and and dominate things like that. It's very difficult to do it three. I, mean, I think last year we did Liverpool, we did Real Madrid, and then we had a really scrappy game against Palace straight on top of that, didn't that's we? That's right, or, yeah, that's right. Like, it's just incredibly difficult to put three together in the space of seven days. So, you know, I don't expect us to uh, to reach those levels in both those next two games. But, you know, there's no reason why we still can't take the the three points from each one of those two games. Mm. Looking back against the well, looking back at the team from the weekend, we had Aurea Prefera right back with Foyth, along with both Deli Alley and Eriksson deemed fit enough to start the game in the heart of the Spurs midfield. Vertonghen was miraculously back on the bench after coming from a hamstring injury with Lamella and Mora amongst the subs. Kane, Alley and Son and Eriksson started to win for the first time in the league this season. He did so 20 times last season. Can I ask you, Alistair, another question coming here about the team itself. This is from Drew Styles at Drew Style 89 who says, Against Man United, we looked set up in a diamond midfield and exposed them. And against Chelsea, we did the same, but with Son up top next to Canis and Lucas. Do you think that tactic will stick around, or is Potts just a tactical genius? 
<laughs> um, Poch loves the whole um, the kind of debate that used to be had about him about how he didn't have a plan B. He literally will bring it up in any press conference he can. Um, you know, hey, everyone said I didn't have a plan B. When people say about, you know, <laughs> you've got this tactic, that tactic, you played, who are you going to play this? And he said, you know, we do. We have a variety of systems. We play in different ways. But his key thing is always it's, and he even said it again after the match on uh, Saturday, he said it's not about the tactic. It's not about the systems, about name, um, all the names on the pitch. It's about the players and the philosophy and how they kind of bring it out, essentially. Um and, yeah, I think he's becoming more and more flexible. And I think we're seeing that, you know, like, like we said earlier with Ali um, essentially doing a job on Jorginho. Um, with Spurs before, they they didn't have, the players weren't doing those kind of roles. You maybe, maybe had someone like Dyer that would sit and kind of try and pick out a playmaker or something like that. But you wouldn't actually take one of your attacking players and get them to do a job. I think he's he's a young manager. Poch, he's uh, he's developing as as the likes of Ali Kane, Eriksson, people like that are growing. So is he, and I think he's adding more strings to Tottenham's bow. They've got far more formations, you know, whether it's three at the back, uh, four at the back, whether they have the two kind of sitting or they have one sitting. Um, sometimes we've had a kind of almost a three up front. Sometimes it's the two. People argue, you know, some people quite rightly saying Lucas uh, Mora, who's been you know, great at times this season, wasn't playing last night, did that free up Kane, you know, mm. bringing the old kind of Ali, um, Son and Kane kind of trio, did that actually work better? It's, there's so many options, you know, we had Lucas and Lamella to come off the bench. That's it, I remember yeah. a couple of years ago, we were talking about the FA Cup semi-final and I think Vincent Janssen was our star and Kyle Walker were the two guys on the bench with yeah. any experience whatsoever and now we had bench that was packed with players that could kind of come on and change the game. We sometimes lose that perspective, don't we? We do sometimes lose that. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well with the, with the team at the moment, whatever team sheet comes up, you really aren't that too too worried. You don't sit there immediately and think, why is he playing? Why is he? Because these players have all come in. They've all made contributions. And, and you look at the rise of Moussa Sissoko. So there, there wasn't the, why is that lump of dog shit playing as soon as he's announced? <laughs> there's, there's Serge Aurier, who's, who's who's made big strides. I mean... You know, I, I wouldn't have been unhappy to see Oreo sold in the summer. And I'll admit that I, I, I just thought it was a, a complete liability last year. But you look at him now and he looks much, much better defensively. And there was there was a little moment of Oreo, which I think even shows it in him, where he, he gave away a corner late on with, with nobody behind him. And it was, you know, a ball that he could have easily left, but he headed it out for the corner. But but in a way, I didn't mind that. I thought, no, finally his brain's in gear to do the safety first thing. We'd have seen him try and do a, a fancy trick to that last year, wouldn't we? And so maybe the message has got through to him, don't take liberties in places, you know, don't do anything stupid, do the simple things. And so even though he conceded the corner, I, like I said, I didn't mind it. That that rashness, he's not diving into tackles and things like that. And, and Serge Aurier looks a, a very decent right back all of a sudden. And so, you know, when, whatever team sheet comes out, I don't worry now. Mm. That's hard to, isn't it, to disagree with that. I think the team in general now, it's picking itself. Sissoko is one of the main ones in there. And we're going to come on to Sissoko in a bit. I've got some funny questions to ask Jason. Well, it's been brought in from some listeners, so thank you for those. Chris, coming back round to you, let's discuss that first goal because Ericsson fizzed in a free kick and Deli Ali was on the end of that cross that headed us in front. And Ali, we spoke about him on this show so many times, Chris, that he's such a special player for this Tottenham team. You know, he scored against Chelsea, Man City, Man United, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Arsenal. He always steps up. No matter the game, no matter the occasion, he's just a big-time player, isn't he, Chris? 
He loves it. He loves the big games. And uh, he's now got six goals in five games against Chelsea. Uh, he's a big game player. And as Alistair said earlier, you know, young player and, you know, delightful, you know, him signing a brand new contract. And just hopefully we've got many, many years um, of Deli Alley at Tottenham Hotspur. And it just depends um, whether... Uh, in my opinion, we can win trophies and really mm. challenge for the uh, the Premier League. Um, but hopefully, him and people like Harry Kane will stay um, long term, and we can, you know, make additions and really challenge for the title. But Deli Ali, absolutely magnificent player, one of my favourites, a fan's favourite, and uh, you can see on his face he just loves playing for the club. And when you see that, you know, you just fall in love with him. So it's it's great that he's there. And Jace, coming over to you, score more goals against Chelsea in all competitions than he has against any other side, being the sixth. Delhi, what else can we say about him, Jace? This guy, you know how much I love him, how much I adore him for me. He's that superstar of a player. He's got that moment in him that can win a game. Absolutely, he has. And we're all fully appreciative. And I feel a little bit sorry when I see him play for England because, you know, often he, he, he doesn't play well for England and he kind of looks lost a lot of the time for England. And, and I think that's because he just plays in a you know, in a different position. He's not played close enough to Kane. But we saw the return of the, the Deli Alley. we know. Once you, you get him up towards Kane and you get him into that final third and the, the link-up play with him, Eriksson and, and Sonny and Kane is, is superb. And, you know, I wish we could see that performance from him from England. But, you know, other than Kane, he plays with a lot worse players when he's playing for England, unfortunately. But um, he's a fantastic player and... And you're right, it was, it was brilliant news to see him sign that, that six-year contract a few weeks ago. And Alistair, coming around to you just on Delhi, you know, you're around Pochettino so much. The relationship those two have together, it is almost like a father and son relationship. It was easy, you could say, Alistair, as well, because of the week Ali's had with the whole video coming out, the whole England thing, his mind could have been sidetracked, but he looked so focused for the game and he played so, so well. What have you made of Delhi Ali's rise? And as you mentioned, that six-year contract he got as well, his heart at the moment is firmly at Tottenham, isn't it? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, the thing with um, Ali, I think when he very first came in, there was a little kind of a, a strange little moment between... I don't think uh, Poch was entirely convinced about him early on. I think there was some very kind of little questions about his uh, kind of temperament and things like that. And I remember there was a bit... I think it was, Poch actually said it in his book. He also said it in a press conference as well, where Jesus Perez went up to uh, Delhi and said, you know, actually... You've changed his mind. He didn't like you to begin with. And it was like a really honest thing. I think it jolted Deli Alley. It was a bit like, oh, oh, hello. You know, everyone's been talking about me as this great young talent. But actually, you know, I've got to prove myself. <laughs> and I think ever since you've you've seen this player who it's so rare that you actually get in, in world football, you know, who's incredibly talented, uh, attacking brain, intelligent on the pitch, but also works harder than probably almost any player you'll see on the pitch. He covers so much ground, does so much defensive work. I think that's something when people kind of maybe knock this season slightly that he hasn't hit the same goals and assists that he has in previous years. But you look at what he's also doing for the team. He's the closing down, the kind of taking other players, dragging defenders into space to allow others to run uh, beside them. And he's, he's a very intelligent kind of young player. He's a very intelligent man, actually, as well. When you when you interview him, he's, he's very on the ball. He's very clever. He's also very guarded, um, obviously, with uh, things that have gone on in the, in the background. Mm, and yeah. you mentioned the video. That was just shut down immediately. 
Pochettino just came straight out and just said, there's nothing in it. There's mm. absolutely nothing in it. And, and I mean, I pretty much said the same as well at the time. It's uh, Obviously, my word doesn't go much as weight. Oh, it does. It does. Believe me, Alison. Your words <laughs> weigh a lot these days. <laughs> but it's just nothing. It's, mm. it's, you know, we were relying on a guy's commentary on the video to try and tell us what might yeah. have happened. Spot on. Which is such a... It's just... Unfortunately, that, that's one aspect. Social media can be fantastic. Mm. But then also it brings you stuff like that where you're made to believe that something's happened, you know. And I don't think, I don't think it even got into Deli Ali's head or any of the Tottenham players. Well, as you can tell by the performance. No, and he was fantastic, wasn't he? We love Deli on this show, and you made a great point, there, Alistair. I think enough that Deli at times for the work he does off the ball, that's not giving anywhere near the amount of credit it deserves. Another guy I'm going to bring it on to Spurs' second goal of the evening. Jay's coming around to you. Harry Kane's low strike from distance, wrong-footed Kepa. Azra Balaga, I hope I pronounced that right, and doubled Spurs' lead in what was some truly at the time, Jase, champagne football on Salt Wembley. And again, Kane, he loves scoring these goals, doesn't he, against Chelsea? Yes, what, 25 Premier League derby game, or London derby goals? It's, it's astonishing. And um, it was a bolt from the blue, wasn't it, when he hit it? Because you thought, Harry, there's no need to shoot there. You've got somebody <laughs> running outside. And next thing you know, it's in the net. And we shouldn't be surprised because he's done it, he's done it so often. It was reminiscent... Scored one at Leicester, didn't he? When he scored the four or five in one game, very similar to that, where he just hit it from outside and caught Schmeichel asleep. And um, it's, just, it's just a it's, again, he's another man that, that scores on big occasions so often, doesn't it? He? He's just done it against Croatia, and I, I don't know why he gets so much criticism away from Tottenham. I think it's just envy, bitterness, jealousy, whatever. But he, he led the line fantastically, and, and the only downside as I say was the, the one he put over the top of the crossbar and I think you know we were we, I think everyone in the stadium was stunned that, that he, he didn't put that one away but fantastic performance all I would say on the, the both the first two goals if Hugo had conceded those two goals I think there would have been a lot of talk about the goalkeeper because you know the first one as good a header as it was and there's pace on it it goes straight through Kepper's hands and the second goal he just doesn't do anything with. I know Louise is partly blocking him, but I guarantee if Hugo had conceded these two goals, we would have been giving Hugo absolute pelters for those. Hard to disagree with that, isn't it? I mean, Hugo Lloris, we'll bring it on to him as well because he made some crucial saves in the game. Chris, just to get your thoughts on Harry Kane. You know, some of the stats out there, you probably know them more than me, but 31 goals in 46 London derbies, 25 goals in Premier League London derbies. Now, put him joint sixth in the list of all time for Spurs. Kane and Tomin Son both registered more attempts on target than the whole of the Chelsea side combined during that game and involved in 134 goals in 166 Premier League appearances. Chris, what else can you say about Harry Kane who haven't said a before about this guy? We totally love this guy. I'm sure you do as well. I don't know what else you can say about Harry Kane. What's not already been said is he just keeps breaking records, um, scoring goal after goal. Um, he clearly wants Jimmy Greaves' record and I hope that he, he gets it and stays with us for a very long time. Um, just an exceptional striker. Um, works very, very hard on and off the ball. Pochettino, the whole team, the fans. Um, absolute legend. Legend already, and he's still very young. Alistair, Harry Kane, you're lucky enough to spend obviously a lot of time around these guys, with you obviously being a, a journalist. Tell us anything more Anything more you can say about Harry Kane that we can love him even more about. <laughs> he's just, he's a, just a really good all-round bloke. What exactly he is what you see you know what you see is what you get with him he is just such 
a nice guy. Um, apart from when he's on the pitch, he's actually <laughs> he's a bit of a brute on the he's pitch. A warrior, isn't he on the pitch? Yeah, which is what you want. And do you know what pleased me most about his goal wasn't the fact that David Luiz bizarrely turned around. Like you know, I think it's it's just I just cannot get my head around him as a defender. I think we saw it against uh, Brazil in the semi final. That's right. Yeah, we did. As soon as a goal goes, his head goes down. I mean, I've totally, like Jason's saying, I've totally blamed the keeper for the first goal. I, I thought that was bizarre, the ball going through his hands. Second one, that's all Louise. You don't, as a big central defender, turn your back on that. But sorry, I've got away from the point. Harry no, Kane. That's fine. Um, the thing that pleased me most was the fact that he's taken a pot shot from outside the area. For mm. some reason this season, he stopped doing that. And I don't know why, because it's something that's brought him some great goals in recent years. Whether it's a more unselfish thing or maybe getting his, I don't know, weirdly like the shot to goals ratio down or something. But he just hasn't been kind of taking these chances. And we know he can do it. You kind of catch the goalkeeper off guard if you take these early shots. And I think that's something that he is really good at. So to kind of get back to that, it's clearly that that's what happened. And oh, he's, he's a marvellous player. He really is. He's uh, Even when he's not playing well or perceived to be not doing the business, he is doing the business. You know, other strikers, they go through these barren spells. Harry Kane goes through little spells, but then you look at the stats and you think, oh my God, he's still scored more than everyone else. Mm. Um, he's just a machine of a player. He's set everything outside and off the pitch is geared towards him being an absolute success on it. It's very reminiscent of, you know, the likes of Ronaldo, uh, the way he prepares himself off the pitch. You know, he changed his whole lifestyle, his whole diet. He got a new personal kind of chef, like a... I think it's, it's like special meals. Yeah. yeah, nutritious, that's the word I'm searching for. Yeah, who comes in and he's just changed everything about it. And you can see him. I had a colleague actually who normally covers Chelsea. He hasn't seen too much of Kane um, in the last probably 18 months or so, apart from the matches uh, that they've played. And he said, he's a unit, isn't he? And I was like, yeah, he is. <laughs> I think because when you see the early footage of Kane, he was kind of a bit more scrawny. But over the right, years, yeah. he's developed into this, like, a bit of a beast of a player. Um and that's that shows in his games. Defenders can't just can't. I mean, Rudiger was bouncing off him all that's over. It, the place. That's it. Just could not handle him. And that's testament to the work he puts in off the pitch as well. And it it just shows with his displays. He's, he's a great striker. He really is. I'm incredibly lucky to have him. I've always thought as well with him. You can see that he, in his younger days, he spent time in training with Jermaine Defoe because. Jermaine Defoe used to do that a lot, didn't he? Get outside the box before the goalkeeper had even set himself. He'd, he'd hit one with real power. And yeah. the amount of goals Defoe scored in that way, everyone thinks of Defoe as a penalty box player. But when you actually see all the goals he scored from Tottenham, there's loads from outside the box where he just would go forward. He'd ignore the pass alongside him, wouldn't he? Which would infuriate people. But he just hit it from outside the box really early before a keeper sets. And Kane, Kane's obviously picked that up because he's done it a lot as well. Has and the other thing about Kane, he's actually one of the best playmakers around as well. Yeah, the amount of time he'll pick up the ball, come deep, and he does that kind of—it's like almost a trademark now, where he looks across and curls a ball to the other flank. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the fullback coming in, or Son, or someone that's kind of cutting inside, he's—he's, he's, you know, I, I think he's going to grab more and more assists each season as he goes. And whereas you get someone like Ronaldo, who's very much focused purely on goals, whereas people say about Messi, it's more kind of an even thing. Obviously, I'm not saying Kane is, is on the level of uh, <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo, but as a striker, you know, it's he, he's he's very thoughtful of other players' runs as well, which which makes it even more remarkable that he gets the goal tally he does. And the thing is, quick coming around to you with Kane, what makes me laugh is now, if he goes two games without a goal, they call that a drought. 
you know what? You just you have to laugh about it because <laughs> his record is insane, isn't it? The amount of goals Kane is scoring and the frequency of them. Absolutely, it's um, you know, like Alistair said, he's like a machine, and uh, we all just expect him to score. Um, you know, the amount of times I talk to lots of uh, Tottenham fans before the game, we all discuss, you know, what's your prediction? Who do you think is going to score? The amount of people who end up saying Harry Kane three nil hat trick. <laughs> and everyone's just expecting his hat-tricks all the time and four and five goals from him. And, um, you know, I suppose we all do it. We all think that he's going to score. And if you ask anybody a prediction, you know, who's going to score, Harry Kane's always there. We just expect it all. And uh, funny enough, he, he delivers, you know, most of the time. So hey, it's just fantastic. Now, Alistair, coming back round to you, it's worth pointing out that it was Sissoko who won the possession and charged forward for Kane's goal to make it 2-0. And I have to bring to your attention, Alistair, which you probably don't need me to bring to your attention, that marvellous tackle from Sissoko to deny Matteo Kovacic from advancing forward for Chelsea. And I've got to ask you, Alistair, just generally on Sissoko, you know, this guy now, is it a point where he actually deserves to be in this Tottenham team based on his consistent performances rather than it being a case of, you know, being without key players who are injured? I mean, again... A man of the match performance, wasn't it, against Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, I, I've put in my articles pr- since the final whistle. I think he's a little bit undroppable at the moment. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't think right. you can actually take him. You've heard it here sh- first. Moussa Sissoko is now undroppable. And it's hard to disagree, Alistair, isn't it? It's hard to disagree with that. No, on form, he is yeah. one of the most informed players. You That's know, it. same as Lamella, what it, well is one of Spurs' most informed players this season. But obviously, he has injury issues, so he can't play every game. But Sissoko, he can. And I thought, well, I think in the last, what are we looking at, six weeks maybe? I think mm-hmm. he's been really, really good. And I think it's just clicked for him. Um, I think we've always said, funnily enough, that probably he was always going to work better as a central midfielder. It's kind of his more natural kind of role, maybe more than one of an attacking three. And it's paying off. It, he looked superb. I mean, his stats, I saw the stats from the first half at half time, and it was something like 100% tackle. 100% um, getting the ball back, ball retention. Um, 100%, I think it's, it's passing, maybe not passing. It is Musa Soko. He does have his flaws. But um, on the rest, he was he was breaking down Chelsea. He was kind of every attack they were trying to go on. He was there. He was in their faces. He was winning the ball back. And he was setting Tottenham away. And that's the key thing that Pochettino has always said about him. There is no one better at Tottenham Hotspur in transitions than Musa Sissoko. He gets them flipping from defence to attack quicker than anyone else on on that pitch, and he deserves applause. He's had such a tough time, you know. I put out some quotes today. Ben yep. Davies said um, that you know all the criticism, that absolutely horrible stuff he's had. I mean, I mentioned it today on Twitter that I used to watch him doing Instagram live um, videos, live streams with him and his family, and he was looking at the. You could see him looking at his phone every so and the comments streaming underneath were horrendous, absolutely mm. awful things people were saying to him. I don't even want to repeat because I don't really want to give him any credence, but it's no. come through all of that, and Ben Davies said, you know, stuff like that is going to, it must affect it. It affects anyone when you're being told how awful you are constantly kind of thing. But he's battled back, and I think his teammates have always had his back, and Pochettino certainly always had his back. You know, there's been chances for Sissoko to leave in the last couple of seasons, and he hasn't for one reason or another. And Pochettino hasn't marginalised him because he knows he has a role in this team, and and he's he's finding it, and he's really he's really playing incredibly well, and it's it's lovely to see. I don't think anyone should. You know, I think anyone should take a little bit of pride from seeing someone that's kind of had so much adversity against them, kind of fighting back and, and doing what they're doing. And uh, fair play to him. He's been absolutely, it's been terrific. 
And Alistair, kind of what you said there is key to this kind of question because Thatchmo at Thatchmo 10 says the transformation of Sissoko in the last few weeks. Is that just another example of how good Pochettino is as a manager, as a coach? Yeah, I think so. I think he's, he's had quite a few situations with various players that have had um, adversity in different ways. Obviously, we've had Loris earlier in the season. Faults more of his own than others making. But he, he deals with it well. He knows how when to put an arm around his shoulder and when to give him a bit of a kick up the backside. Um, and we're just... I don't, I'm don't. trying to think of any players that haven't developed under him. Even the ones that have left will have left the club in a better state probably than when they came to the club in mm. terms of what they can bring to their next team. Um, he's he's a very... I mean, who's it? I spoke to Jesus Perez and he said something I'm trying to get back to my mind about the way Pochettino coaches players. He doesn't tell them, do this, do that, do that, or don't do that. He essentially says, why don't you try this See how it works, but I just want you to take the risk. I think it's called coaching with risk or something. And it's very much about getting the players to believe in themselves enough that they can try these things. And he doesn't, he's not bothered about mistakes. He's not bothered about making errors in matches as long as they've tried and they've shown that. that he calls it ag- aggressivity, <laughs> which is obviously the pochism. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of get what he means. It's having that, well, I suppose to dare is to do. Isn't there you <laughs> go. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. If we're going to find a phrase. Um, and, yeah, and that's why you've got people like Sissoko taking everything that's come at him and he's still come back and he's doing stuff like this and he's, you know, he's been a star for Spurs in recent weeks. Mm. And coming over to you, Chris, Keith Gearing at Keith underscore Gearing says, how has Sissoko gone from shaky to solid and do you think there's more to come or has he now reached his peak? What do you make that one, Chris? Well, if he's reached his peak, we're very happy with it and long <laughs> may it continue. I um, But... But going back to the point of, of um, Pochettino developing players, you know, even without all of these players out injured, our starting 11, our seven on the bench, out of the 18 players, 16 are current internationals. There you go. That, is, mm. that really is uh, a pat on the back to Pochettino because that is how he's developed players. It is unbelievable. And you're right, um, Alistair, he does know when to um, put his arm around people and, you know, when... When they need a good kick up the backside, he knows how to do that as well. But it really motivates players, and you can you can see that. And out of all of the Premier League teams, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Tottenham fan, um, the players love the manager. Mm. And you will never, ever see the, the love of the players and the manager uh, in any other Premier League team than, than Spurs because it is a real bond. He gets on very, very well with everybody, and it just proves what he's done with Musa Sissoko. Um, you know, he's found his position. If you think, you know, when he first joined uh, Tottenham, you know, Pochettino's uh, fifth season now, but when when he thought that we needed um, a centre uh, midfielder, defensive centre midfielder, he changed Eric Dyer's position from centre-back to to that position, and he developed him as a player as well. And he develops players left, right and centre, works with them, and... Yeah, he's he's just a full, um, well, he's superb, superb manager. I just hope the uh, the trophies come to reward him. Oh, hope you're right, Chris. From your mouth to God's ears, honestly. I think that's all that's missing from this Tottenham squad now. Some trophies to recognise, just the work Pochettino's done. Jace, I've got a couple of questions for you, but firstly, can I get this one across to you? This is from John Bear, who says, can we get Jason to sing the Muta Sissoko song? Come on, Jace, let's have one chorus. Come on, please. Oh, Musa <laughs> It's fantastic. The best thing is, my people are singing it with genuine affection. I know. Our times change, Jay, say. 
whereas the Gareth Bale song was always a little bit in mockery, funny. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people are genuinely getting behind him and it, it's fantastic to hear. Absolutely is. And as, as good a job as Pochettino's done on him, he deserves credit himself. He's the one putting in those performances. I think when you look, when, when Aurier goes forward, he just instantly drops over in right back as well. He's, he's aware of people and hence why the... The, the tackle against your your mate was, was so impressive. My mate? Oh, is that Kovacic, is it? My mate? Yeah, your, your <laughs> mate, you know, the one we must buy. Well, hold and, on, hold on. Let me, okay, let me pick up on that, James, about must buy here. We had a good chat Angel. in the summer. Hold on, we had a good chat. Listen, Angel. listen. Don't get saucy, listen, Angel. Listen, listen. Move ch- on, Angel. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I'll pick you up on this. We had a good chat in the summer about players that we said would improve the squad. Did we or did we not? And we both sat there and said that at the time, when you look at midfield options, Kovacic would be a central midfield player that would improve the squad. Did we not say that? I don't remember you saying that, Rich. Don't remember <laughs> saying that. Well, we discussed midfield <laughs> options and we said at the time when Kovacic was being linked, he's a player that, as we know, is on Spurs' you know, reported target list yes, for a long yes. time. Move on, move on, move well, on. Well, listen, just, I still think not, on. listen, one bad move game on. doesn't make a bad player, Jason. I think if you look at this Spurs squad, and Alistair will get your thoughts later on, I still think central midfield is a concern for Spurs. Moussa Dembele, as we know, is out for a long period. Winks has been great, but again, he has to keep that fitness up. We'll discuss central midfield options soon. But, Jason, anyway, back to the point about society. Jordan Hussein says, I've been one of Sissoko's biggest critics since joining us. However, his past three performances, does he now warrant a place in the first team on a regular basis? Jace, answer that one for us. Well, I honestly think I look more at Arsenal than Inter Milan. I want Musa Sissoko to play at Arsenal next week. And that's that's the biggest praise you can give him. Mm. He's, he definitely deserves his place there. And he, was, he actually played for, I think he was our best player there last year when we... We were really poor there last year, weren't we? Let's be fair. We lost, we so poor lost day, two yes. nil. Could have been, could have <laughs> yeah. been more. And Moussa Zissoko and Davison Sanchez, I think, were the only two that came out with any credit last year. So, absolutely, mm. he should play next week. Mm. Bring on to Hugo Lloris, Alistair. Coming back round to you. He produced a wonderful close-range save to deny Alvaro Morata. However, the linesman's flag they went up shortly after that. But he also made a decent save later from Hazard. Tell us what you thought of Lloris' performance overall, Alistair. And where do you stand on the whole debate about Gazaniga and Lloris? We don't get you on often, so it'd be great to hear your thoughts on that and what you think of Lloris overall at the moment. Oh, I thought Lloris pretty much could have got a deck chair out, couldn't he, really, the other <laughs> night? You know, he, um, yeah, he made a couple of saves. Yeah, like you said, I think the Murata one was probably the best one and it didn't actually matter in the no. end. Um, uh, I mean... I think Gazaniga's developed really well. I, I know a few people that um, were kind of at Southampton and, and were not very... They were, let's put it... To put it nicely, they were laughing, essentially, when Spurs announced that he was signing for him. Um, and he was a, an error-prone keeper for them when he did play. He was obviously a young keeper uh, then as well. Um you know, massive credit to Tony Jimenez, uh, Spurs goalkeeping coach, who's done a lot of work with him in the last couple of years. And and he's come on a lot. He has come a lot. But I do think people kind of lose the sight at sometimes that Spurs have a World Cup winning goalkeeper mm. <laughs> between the sticks. Yeah. You know, this is a guy that's bailed out Tottenham time and time and again. Of course he makes mistakes. He's a sweeper keeper. You know, Edison is making quite big mistakes. I think in the, uh, the game against Man U, you know, he's a sweeper keeper and he's making errors as well. But maybe Lloris, it's it's scrutinised that a little bit more, maybe because maybe because he is a World Cup winner and he's a, he's a high profile um, player. He's he is a, a terrific keeper. He will have an error in him. His kicking is dodgy sometimes, but his reflexes probably his shot stopping possibly better than anyone out there or certainly up there. Uh, Gazaniga is a young developing keeper. His time may come. 
um, you know, depending on how long Laurie stays away, uh, sorry, stays in the team. But um, I think he's obviously, he's overtaken Vorm now. I think Vorm possibly might see him move on in the summer if he doesn't decide that he's going to stick around Brad Friedel-esque and maybe mm. be a future coach at the club. But I don't think we're talking about similar levels yet. Hopefully, you know, he will get there and we'll have two absolute top keepers. And I think Gazaniga's done brilliantly. I don't think he's Loris level yet. Mm. Let's just hope that competition keeps spurring him on. Pardon the pun. Let's hope, fingers crossed. Chris, going to come back around to you and discuss Sonny's goal. Now, this goal, what I must have watched it. How about you, chaps? I've seen this 20 times, 25 times. Commentary's been amazing. I've watched it in Korean commentary, English, American, you name it. I've seen the commentary. The goal for me, every time I watch it, I just keep thinking he's going to get tackled. But... The goal is incredible. And just, again, Chris, to bring you in here, he picked up the ball on the right touchline, goes on that amazing solo run and slots it past the keeper. I mean, it was just superb. Could you believe your eyes watching it, Chris, at the time live? Not really. Um, it was very uh, Ricky Villa-esque, wasn't oh, it? It was, wasn't it? Um, amazing. Absolutely amazing goal. Um, I think Sonny is completely underrated um, in the Premier League. Um, absolutely superb goal. To pick it up on the, the halfway line, you know, left foot, right foot, and uh, to finish with left foot as well, you know, just to come past Jorginho and uh, David Luiz, um, it just made it look so easy. It really did. It was just like a, a training day goal and uh, <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. And it's, it's, it's those sorts of moments you will never, ever forget as a Tottenham fan, no, you know, cheering. It. I was actually at Club Wembley and funny enough, uh, Wembley had a, an attendance Saturday of just under 55,000. It was really weird because I, I'm there jumping up and down celebrating the goal and nobody was around me in about four or five rows. I was completely, but me and my dad, just just us. It was really, really weird because, of course, you, when you score goals like that against Chelsea, Arsenal and you know all the other rival clubs, you, know, you, you remember the celebrations. But it was quite weird, Wembley. But... Absolutely amazing, and as I say, moments you will never forget as a Spurs fan. Mm. And Jace, bringing you in, I know you love Sonny, obviously with your Asian connections. I mean, he's arguably for me, I think, one of the most exciting players we've seen in recent times at Spurs. And how fitting, Jace, that his 50th goal for Spurs comes from a moment of what can only be described, I think, of sheer individual brilliance. Oh, it was, was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? And um, I don't think enough credit is given to David Luiz for creating the space for him as well. <laughs> It's a brilliant run to, to drag nobody with him. And I, I, I thought he was he was doing the traditional, I'm going for the early train at Wembley. Where's, where's he going? Quite quite astonishing. Uh, God, that PlayStation footballer came to uh, came to mind, didn't it? But, um, but then just that, you know, sometimes Sonny isn't the most composed when he gets there, but he, he, uh, he never looked like missing that one, did he? It was just rolled into the corner. And the, the pace and... You know, Jorginho was was totally flat-footed, wasn't he? Really, really slow and sluggish. But um, oh, it was just a, it's the type of moment that, you know, when we all go to football and, and Chris is right, you get out your seat, don't you? The moment he, he put that put the head down and really starting to show that pace, you, you're already standing up, getting out your seat, and, and you just then want the finish to, to round it off. And it was just a, a brilliant goal. And... Um, his performance, despite missing one or two chances on the night, he he ran, he helped run them absolutely ragged at the back. It was it was interesting that when we had the ball deep, he was the one that was making the runs in and behind, and um, he did his job absolutely brilliantly on the night. And you know, it's not the, he's he's got a few against them now himself, hasn't he, Sonny? I think. 
I think he scored in the two-two, didn't he, in the Battle of the Bridge? That's Sonny right. And stuff. Yep. You know, he, he and he had a cracking game there last year, didn't he? I think didn't he make make one for Delhi Alley and things like that last year, Sonny? So you know, he's starting to enjoy playing against them and, and memories of that that sliding tackle in the semi-final of. Have become very distant now. That's for sure. Mm. And Jace, you know, running sixty-four meters of the ball, there's that argument that he ran as long as what Chelsea's history is, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I saw that one come up, <laughs> and I think I also saw that you know him and Kim Jong Un are the most dangerous Koreans in the world. Or something. <laughs> so, two good ones, that's for sure. Be hard to disagree. I mean, fifty goals for the club. And Son's comments after Alistair, I'm going to bring it around to you because he says, "I love the fans. I love these teammates, and I enjoy every single moment." I went away with a, for a long time. I came back and did not play very well. I felt very sorry, but they supported me and I played good because of them. And I'm very grateful for that. He's got a special connection, as Alistair, with these fans. Do you think now, bearing in mind, he had that two-week break, the international break, that's now done in the world of good and allowed him to kind of recharge those batteries to go again? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? You think back, at the end of his first season, he wanted to leave. He went in and asked crazy, Pochettino if he could crazy? go, yeah. Yeah. And Pochettino convinced him, stick around, see what you can do. And here we are now, 50 goals later, and he's an absolute you know, fan's favourite. And he, he's he's such a funny character. He's brilliant for the squad. Not even if we're talking off-pitch as well. Um, he's such a uniting kind of spirit in the club. He, he's such a funny guy. They all love him, honestly. Just everyone flocks around. You know, you get these little kind of clicks of players that you get. Son, son's in every one of them. <laughs> he literally is. So all these and, handshakes, isn't it? That's what keeps doing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's just—he's a really funny guy as well. And he—he's done well. It's like—I mean—he's had a funny season. It's been a weird one for him. He, he obviously literally appeared off the bench didn't he, in the first game in Newcastle. That's right. Then went off. Um, got himself his gold medal and his exemption for military service. Should have come back on a bit of a high, but he didn't. He kind of came back. Well, maybe understandably, a, just a bit knackered. knackered a bit, yeah, a bit knackered. Subpar. It's taken a while for him to get going, obviously. Um, it's quite funny that um, one of the uh, reporters that follows him everywhere is a, a chap, is a very nice chap called Lee, um, Lee Sungmo, who, um, or Sungmo Lee technically it is, who works for Gold.com, and he, he follows him everywhere. <laughs> and he tells me all these things about back home, how how kind of passionate the fans are, but how much they they hate Pochettino one week, absolutely despise him when he doesn't play Sonny. And then the next week he's a hero because he's played him. And they, they're really scared of Lamella and Lucas because they might take Son's spot in the team. And I think the emergence of those two guys this season has also kind of put Sonny in the shadows a little bit. Mm. And it's just lovely to see him kind of come back with that that goal. And I think that's that's that'll give him so much confidence going forward because we know what he can do. Oh, we do. You know, like I said earlier, he is a guy that you might not bet on to be the clinical finisher. You know, in maybe just in the six yard box or around. But when he was running through on a Saturday night, you knew he was going to finish mm. because it was a, just a remarkable kind of piece of football. And that's what he does. He'll curl in beauties from the edge of the area and things like that. And yeah, I mean, if you think about all the chances he's had kind of over his time at Spurs, how many goals he'd actually be on. <laughs> but like Jay said, it's more about also what he does off the ball. Um, like I said earlier with Delhi, it's the same kind of thing. The He makes so many runs. He's always dragging players all over the place and they don't really know what he's going to do. I think this is my only thing with Lucas. Lucas Mora makes these runs, but there's often not an end product. There's mm. not kind of something that actually helps another player. Whereas with Sonny, that's what you're always going to get. He's always kind of, there's, there's an end thing, even if it doesn't result in a goal. 
And I think it's going to be a really interesting battle now, kind of over the coming weeks. We're going to need them all, don't get oh, me yeah. wrong, because there's so many games. But when the games start to slow down, there is one a week. That's, that's a hell of a battle. And it shows, again, in those places, squad depth is great. We've still got to be aware, of course, of Sonny going for that Asian Cup. What's that, end of January? January, yes. Which is the equivalent of their Euros. So, you know, he, he could well... And he'll, I would imagine South Korea will be... They should certainly be getting into the quarterfinals, semi-finals, latter stages of that tournament. So, you know, we could quite easily find ourselves, usually they have to go on those, don't they, two weeks before the tournament starts, a bit like the old African Cup of Nations and that. So he could easily be missing for another month, five weeks towards, you know, towards the back end of winter. So, you know, the Lucas Moras and that will still be important to us then, that's for sure. Mm. And talking about important players, that brings us next to Christian Eriksen, one of our most important, Chris want to bring you in on this one because Ericsson created seven chances on the night the most by a single player in the in a Premier League game this season and again I have to ask you Chris that performance from Ericsson does that typify why he is the absolute heartbeat to this Spurs side oh unbelievable um heartbeat is the right word 100 percent um he's he makes everything tick in Tottenham's midfield um it's surprising, actually, the amount of times I've seen Ericsson be criticised, even by a lot of Spurs fans. And honestly, I find that so hard because he, if you take Ericsson away from Spurs, my God, we would struggle to uh, to create chances. And he creates so much. He does so much on and off the ball. Um, the, the chances he's, you know, he provides for Harry Kane. Uh, oh, I love Ericsson. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I can't praise him highly enough. He works extremely hard um, and, again, gets on with everybody. Mm. I mean, just on there, we've had so many questions about his new contract. And I told Alistair, I'm going to come around to Jay Shirley, but I have to come back to you because Dustin says here, what are your thoughts on Ericsson, a new contract? Are you optimistic or put pen to paper? Jeff Knight also says, how bad does the club need him to sign a new long-term contract? What's your thoughts on that? Alistair, how important and do you think it's a possibility that we'll get Ericsson tied down just like we have Lamella, just like we have Ali, just obviously like we have Pochettino and Kane? Oh, he's essential. He's absolutely essential. They call him the maestro. That's his nickname at that's the it. club. That's it. He's, he absolutely conducts Tottenham's tune. He really does. There's, you, As Chris has just said, you take him out of that team and you just lose the guy that kind of links the lines. It's just he knits everything together so perfectly. Which is why I think Spurs' biggest failing, apart from the fact they didn't sign anyone, has been um, that they just haven't found someone that can come in for him. So when he has struggled earlier in the season, you know, he's had the stomach, uh, abdominal issue, and he, he hasn't kind of... He started to look like he's now kind of getting back to where he was. But Spurs just don't have another player like that. I think they've tried to find homegrown versions of him, like Barkley and Grealish and people like that, because he is essential. And in terms of the contract, they are trying hard. Um, my gut tells me I think he will stick around. Okay. I think he will. I think he's he's never indicated otherwise that he's not happy at the club. He's he's gets you know he has a manager that trusts him. He absolutely adores Pochettino. I think I don't know if people saw the images. They had a meal out out in Copenhagen at the end of last season together. They're very close. Pochettino knows what he means to this Tottenham team. Um, and if they're going to, I mean, we, we talk about the figures bandied about to kind of try and buy top players that would actually improve this Tottenham team. Can you imagine what it would cost to buy someone? Well, that's of it, a, isn't it? How, how, do you, how do you replace him, Alistair? How do you replace someone like Ericsson? 
So you have to give you have to give him a good deal. You know, we we know Harry Kane has now pushed the ceiling up on the wages. Mm. Deli Ali's got a very good contract now, um, and I think they'll make it work. I do, I do. I think um, they've been working hard, and certainly we've kind of been hearing noises about it since the summer. At times, it looked like it was close. Then, I personally feel it will happen, uh, which will mean now he'll come out with a statement saying he's off. But <laughs> I, I do, I do hope. I hope it happens. I think it, Poch knows what he's got and he wouldn't want to lose him. Oh, I hope you're right, Alistair. Loads of Spurs fans, you know that, follow you on Twitter. They'll be holding you to this now. They'll be praying that you're <laughs> right, as we all will. God, I hope you're right. Jace, let's get your thoughts on Ericsson then, because he created, as I said, seven chances versus Chelsea, more than any other player. He's now recorded 52 assists in the Premier League, one more than Meza Ozil. Jace, thoughts on Ericsson's stunning performance against Chelsea? He really ran the game, didn't he, himself? So, uh, And the little dink pass to Sonny was for me the, in that first half was a, was a pass of the night. It's just bamboozled everyone. So, um, no, it was was the type of performance we want to see from him. And, and Ericsson usually starts the season quite sluggishly, doesn't he? He does take till October, November type of time to, to really seem to, to get into his stride. And then once he's into his stride, you get... a you get the next six months of him where he's, he's pretty much week in, week out. I think on the contracts, my, I mean, it, you know, we all read the speculation things. My gut feeling is that he, I think he'll sign a deal, but he might want a release clause in it that perhaps Tottenham don't want to give him at the moment. And that might be, I, I still think if, if Barcelona, when we first signed him, he always came, didn't he? He always said, I have a, I have a clear career path in my mm. mind. And I think if Tottenham, for instance, weren't in the top four, he would then want the opportunity and, and perhaps part of signing a, a, a big contract is that perhaps there's a little bit of fear from his agent or from him that, that he can get priced out of a move. So I, I think I, I'm pretty certain that he'll sign a deal, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if a year or so after that, we find out that there's a release clause that's been put into it for, for a Spanish club can get him for a set figure in mind. I hope you're not right, Jay. Oh, I, hope, I hope you're not right, honestly. I mean, we talk about Ericsson. For me, we should be doing absolutely everything in our power to make sure he stays at this club for years to come. And for me, he's as sure important are, as Harry Kane. Well, I hope so, Jace. I hope so. It's so true. important to this Tottenham team. As I said, the heartbeat of it. Now, let's discuss quickly. We've got a preview into Milan as well. This show, like I say, it could go on for hours. There's so much to talk about. We're going to try and squeeze an into But before we do, just quick mentions. Firstly, on Sergio Now, Jace, you mentioned there, you know, towards the start of the show, that last season, as you said, you would maybe have said you wanted to see him sold in the summer. But I'll be honest with you, Jace, I always said, didn't I? I said, second season syndrome, Pochettino, as we know, the fullback whisperer. Look how he's improved fullbacks. You look at Shaw, Klein, Davis, Trippier, Rose. We've seen always with Pochettino, there's always a steady progression with fullbacks. And dare I say it, Jace, he's doing the same with Aurea, isn't he? It's been much better this season. I mean, he's. I think the first time we really saw it was his performance with Inter Milan away, where where I thought he had a really good game against Inter, um, and and he's just built on that. I think um, you know there the doesn't seem the quite the rash tackles this time, does there? He's even he's, he's learned how to take a throw on. <laughs> Always helps that. that. We're not. We, he hasn't been diving in and conceding penalties and that. And no, he's he's looked. Uh, well, for me, he's, he's, he's well and truly moved in front of Trippier at the moment. And even some of his delivery can still be inconsistent. But wasn't it? I think it was his ball in for, for the Kane miss himself, wasn't it? I think that was Aurier's ball into the box where Kane put it over the bar. So, you know, we're starting to... And he, he also had a great cross in the first half, didn't he? When, was it, I think it was Kane's header on... I think Azpilicueta might have ended up getting the header on it. But, no, his delivery's improving as well. And Pochettino certainly seems to have... 
have got him, got you know, done some work on him. That's for sure. Benefited as well, like like Lucas Moore and that from having a, 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 a the summer off. Mm. You know, the improvements we've seen, the consistency we've seen. Mora, Lamella, uh, Serge Aurier. You know, part of that is perhaps they've had the full summer break at the same time. Mm. Let's bring Alistair back in. Brooks at Brooks Jones says, is there any chance are you... Well, he says, is there any chance you're more comfortable with Aurea in the starting eleven than Trippi? That's his first question. We've also got Helena at Birthday Girl that says, did Aurea prove to Pochettino he should be the first choice right back? Alistair, thoughts on Aurea's steady rise at the moment? Well, I was very fortunate enough to sit down with Serge Aurea near the start of the season. I had a good kind of about 45 minutes, just one-on-one chat with him. And... I tell you, a lot of it comes from the fact that he became a dad for the first time at the start of the season. He had a little girl. Um, and he admitted himself he, he can't be the crazy guy anymore. He can't kind of – he has to focus, you know. And he said, he admitted that that's, it's really calmed him down, kind of the responsibility he now has. And I, I think – and I think we see this with a lot of players. You know, um, Lamella became a dad. I think Kane as well, Trippier, players like that. There's definitely this period where it, it, it makes you grow up. You know, it makes you uh, kind of have a, a real focus in life as well. And I think we're seeing that with Aurier. Um, he's he's definitely improving. Um, you know, Poch is the, the fullback whisperer. He really is. He does kind of know how to get the best out of them. Um, and, and I think he's starting to do that. Do I? I'm still not entirely sold on whether there's a clear maybe first choice at the moment. I, I think they're very different fullbacks, uh, Oreo and Trippier. It depends what you want. For me, Oreo, I don't think he actually has a final ball at the moment. I think right. that's a massive part of his game that he has to improve. Mm. Um, it's very rare that he gets, you know, he picks someone out with a, with a ball or a cross, whereas obviously we know Trippier, that's his trademark now. Um, Oreo, obviously his pace means that he can, uh, he can track back faster than Trippier. I think Trippier's defending has come on a lot. Um, obviously he struggles sometimes with, with faster opponents as we've seen like Sané in the past and, and people like that but I, it, it's a really tight tough battle and I, I think it's a good one you know it, it, again Pochettino we go back to him about having plan B's and plan C's and plan D's and I think with Aurier and Trippier now he can he can pick and choose which one fits the game best I'm not entirely sure there is a, a really strong candidate who's the, the guy that should just play every single match Mm. And coming around to you, Chris, Zach at the THFC says, everyone has talked about how great Sissoko, Eriksen, Delhi, Kane and Son were against Chelsea. But thoughts on Oriel? I thought him and Sissoko linked up very well and overall he was solid. Does he make that right back spot his own? Delivery could use some work, but he's so much more solid in my opinion. Chris, what's your thoughts? Well, I think uh, the whole 11 players, uh, right from Hugo Lloris, right up to Harry Kane, um, everyone was exceptional on Saturday. Um, but Talking about um, the right and left backs, I don't think there is, um, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's going to play every game. You know, Pochettino is very clever. Um, he uses the squad very well. There's a lot of squad rotation. A lot of the time before the match, if you ask a Spurs fan, name the 11 Pochettino is going to put out, we'd all be wrong. He, he always changes, you know, makes so many changes. And I think if Danny Rose and... Um, Ben Davis is a fit, or Serge Aurier and uh, Kieran Trippier are fit. I don't think that there is a, a first choice. I think they would probably play half the games each anyway, with the amount of games that Tottenham play, you know, in all of the competitions. But um, every single player played out of their skin 
um, on Saturday against Chelsea. And it was a clear indication from the off that, that we wanted to win. And we were very, very hungry for the three points and uh, absolutely delighted that we got them. I certainly agree with that. Well, guys, let's look ahead to Inter Milan and let's squeeze in a preview for this one. Actually, before we do that, let me just read out some stats about that Chelsea game because we had some incredible stats out there and I have to read them out. So Spurs have won consecutive league matches against Chelsea for the first time since August 1987. We now have 30 points after 13 games. Our best start to a Premier League season since 2011-2012 when we had one more point at this stage. We've won seven our last seven Premier League London derbies, three of their last four Premier League games against Chelsea, and as many as there had been previous 20 against them in all competitions. Since Maurizio Pochettino has become the manager of Spurs, we have won more Premier League London derbies than any other side. 22 incredible stats. Let's now look ahead to Inter Milan to come in a pivotal Champions League game. Now, Jace, I'm going to start with you. As we know for the game in terms of team news-wise, Hugo Lloris is back after serving his ban against PSV and one fourth is ineligible. So with that being the case, does Vertonghen come back into this side, Jace? You would presume so, and, and that's perhaps why, why Jan was, was spared the start with, with Chelsea, knowing that Foyth had to sit out and, and not wanting to push Jan into two or three games in a week. The interesting thing will be is if Yang comes in and plays really well, what does he do on on Sunday? But um, yeah, I would expect Yang to come in. But as I said, I think it was just at this stage where I, I don't really care what the 11 names are. I just have a confidence in the players that are coming in. They're all doing their all doing their roles that they're being asked to do. So whichever the starting lineup is, you wouldn't be surprised if if Sonny was left out and Lamella came in or something like that. It's just, just the way that we're going at the moment and every person that comes in is doing their job, mate. So I, I really don't care what the lineup is tomorrow. I, I want to see Kane rather than Troy Parrott, but perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> that's, the only, perhaps that's the only one that I'd, I'd, I'd say that Kane's got to definitely start. But other than that, I honestly don't mind. Mm. Alice, I've got to ask you a question from Janet Ilias who says... Do we risk Sissoko versus Inter Milan or do we keep him fresh for the North London derby? Words I never thought I would ever say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there'll be changes. I think there has to be. And I think the fact that Spurs have actually got the quality to do that, uh, I think they can get away with it. You know, we said Vertonghen. I think Vertonghen comes in. Uh, I think we'll see Winks, Lamella, Lucas all come into the team. You know, and that's four really very, good players, very good players. Yeah, that comes straight into the team. Obviously, the fullbacks is an issue. We can't really rotate them at the moment unless you're going to give Carl Walker-Peters a very big match to play in, mm. uh, which I'm not entirely sure Pochettino would would go for. Um, but other than that, that's kind of the spine of your team. You're freshening up um, for the game. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I, I, like Jay said earlier, I do think Sissoka will probably play against Arsenal. Um, I think he will. Whereas I think tomorrow... And get the winner. Uh, sorry, no. And get the Who winner, knows? Answer, yeah? <laughs> Can you imagine the ultimate oh, fairy tale ending to this transformation that he said this fairy tale has been on? Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think maybe possibly a Winks, uh, Winks-Dyer partnership maybe in the middle. Was it? I'm trying to think, it's Wanyama. Wanyama's fit, isn't he, at the moment? Wanyama, we well, believe he's OK, don't we, Wanyama? I was going to ask... I was going to ask you, Alistair, when Yama actually played, got in a decent 90 minutes, I was surprised he lasted the full 90 at, uh, at Palace, particularly in those conditions. But perhaps with the injury to Trippier and that, he, he ended up having to go the 90. And yet he wasn't even in the, the 18 on on Saturday, despite that being, you know, two weeks later. So I, I, I didn't know if, if when Yama's knee had flared up again or something, because I was surprised that he wasn't at least on the bench, that's for sure. 
Yeah, we haven't heard anything about him. Um, he's certainly a player that they manage very carefully. Spurs have got too many of these players at the moment Ooh. in terms of... It's like Lamella as well, Dembe- isn't it, They imagine him so carefully. Yeah, Le- mm. well, Lamella, Dembele before his injury, That's Winks. They've got these guys that have got kind of, they call it chronic injuries. You know, it makes it sound probably worse than it actually is, but it is something <laughs> that has to be managed and they can't play two games in three or four days in quick succession. And I, I think Wanyama looks to be going down that route. Danny Rose, that's another one as well. Mm. A similar thing, Danny Rose was a knee as well. Um, it's, it's, I, I'm not entirely sure if he'll put Wanyama and Winks straight in for the intergame. Uh, I think that's quite a, a rusty partnership, as it were. I think maybe Dyer is probably one of the fittest players in the team. He'll probably start again with Winks. But I haven't heard anything about Wanyama, but we are kind of back at the training ground tomorrow for the... Um, a press conference, which I believe is Musa Sissoko with Pochettino. There you go. Um, Isn't that incredible, eh? There's a turnaround. He's getting all the interviews as well now, Alistair. Exactly, exactly. He, he'll be the man in front of the media. So um, we will find out about Wanyama, but certainly didn't hear anything on the day about it. Mm. He'll be on the front of the calendars next and on the statue of the stadium be out for him soon. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Chris, let me bring you in. <laughs> Can, Chris, can we still go through in the Champions League group or is there kind of now an acceptance that Europa League is probably where we're going to end up? What do you think, Chris? Can we still do it? Well, the the, the confidence is very high at the moment, obviously, after after the weekend. Um, it's very, very important that we start well if we can get an early goal. Mm. Um, we've got to get the three points. Um, it's a must-win game and, you know, to, to take it to the last game, you know, mm. Barcelona away... You know, I've always dreamed of watching Spurs at Barcelona, and you know, let's let's just let's just live the dream a little bit more, it, you know, it. a little bit longer. Um, we don't want Europa League football, do we? Um, you know, we, we really want to progress in the Champions League, but of course there will be changes. It wouldn't be Pochettino's team if it wasn't. Um, I'm confident that we're going to beat Inter at home. I think we're going to get the win. Um, I don't care how we do it, and like Jason said. It don't matter who the eleven is. Mm. You know, the confidence is high, and uh, we have faith um, in our team. And you know, we we trust Pochettino. We trust his decision making and the, the eleven he puts out. And let's face it, whatever eleven he puts out, it's going to be a very very good team. And uh, yeah, I think we'll get the three points against Inter. Interesting, Jace. Over to you. What are you thinking team wise for this one? Honestly, as I just said. I, I... I think Winks will probably come in. It wouldn't surprise me if Lamella gets a start, but but I have confidence in all of them. So I expect us to win the game. I have to say I expect us to win the game. But then, you know, Champions League, you never know. Just look how hard that PSV game became. Mm, that's it. So yeah. if, you, if you push off in the first minute or something like that, and we certainly can't do that. I think we conceded to PSV in the first minute. We conceded to Barcelona in the first minute at Wembley, didn't we? So, you know, hopefully we can get through the first minute with, Without anything drastic happening, and, and then build on that. But I mean, if we if we if we play, you know, eighty percent the level we did against Chelsea, then then I'd expect us to go and win the game. But Icardi's a threat, obviously, for them. Other than that, they they haven't looked a great side at any stage through the group. But in fairness to them, they've they went behind to us and got a win. They went behind to PSV and got a win. They went behind to Barcelona and, and came back for a draw. So. That suggests that if we do take the lead, you've, you've got to keep going and you've got to keep pushing against them. So certainly don't sit back at 70 minutes and think it's job done because they've they've scored a number of late goals. So, you know, just be wary of that. That's for sure. OK, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to get predictions. I've got two final questions to ask and I'm going to let these chaps go because it's been an incredible show. Let's get some predictions in across the panel. I'm going to go for 2-0 Spurs against Milan. Alistair, what are you going to give us? 
Oh, I always warn you, my predictions are just... You do tell us. Every time Alistair comes on, he doesn't want to do a prediction. (laughs) Oh, I jinx the team so much. Uh, So I'll just stick with your prediction of 2-0, and then it's your fault. All right. Cheers, Alistair. I appreciate that. Cheers. Chris, over to you. What are you going to go for? I'm going 2-0 as well. Are you? So we're all going to be in the the wrong ear if it all goes tits up. Chase, (laughs) over to you. I might go 2-1, because I don't think we've kept a Champions League clean sheet at Wembley, have we? Other than Applewell. Mm, good point. No, we haven't. I don't think we have. I think Dortmund scored, Real Madrid scored, Leverkusen scored, didn't they? Yeah, Leverkusen yeah. scored, Monaco scored, Juve scored, so PSV scored, Barcelona scored. So we haven't kept one yet. So uh, other than Applewell, and I don't really think of them as a as a Champions League side. So <laughs> I'll probably go 2-1 Tottenham. 2-1 Tottenham. Okay, fantastic. Well, guys, like I say, looking forward to that one. Before we do, just switch off. We've got Alistair here. We've got Chris here. We have to talk about and Jason's, Jason's favourite time of the year. In case Alistair Chris don't know, Jason absolutely loves the January transfer window. Loves oh. signing new players. He can't wait for it to open. He's got his Jim White suit ready to even put on as well. Oh, the, the, the signal's going, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got to ask you, chat, as we've got here, Cameron Yale Jr., a regular listener. Cameron, we love you. Thank you so much for all your support for the shows. He was the one saying he couldn't believe tonight we got Chris and Alistair together. It's happened. It's been brilliant. He says, would do you still think a signing or signing in January is a good idea, or does the team have enough to get us through this season? Now, if we do want to have a signing, this is from Zach at CHFC, who is everyone picking? Now, I'll go first. I'm going to say I like the look of Undenbele. Jason's going to say to me, we can't afford the wages. We won't be able to get the fee sorted out in January, but that's my dream signing. Alistair, sorry to put you in this position. I didn't, just so listeners know, I didn't get Alistair to brief me on this before the show. I am putting him on the spot here, so Alistair, I do apologise. Can you give us a name? Oh, crikey. Um, it's, it's so early. That's the problem with it. Spurs don't do early. We don't they do don't early. do long-term preparation when it comes to transfer windows, as we saw in the last one. Um, I think they'll still be looking homegrown. I think people keep kind of forgetting that the, the issues with the Spurs squad when it comes to foreign players, there's just so many of them. They'd have to get so many off of their books to even be able to bring in another one who could play in the Champions League. I mean, we've got the likes of Foyth and Coop. Janssen who can't even get in that squad mm. I'm not entirely sure it will be uh, a foreign player, I do think they're going to look for someone, I think they have to I think uh, Pochettino has put the pressure on them to kind of make that happen um, maybe one of the Bournemouth Alistair, do, do you actually think there will be any signings in January? Yeah, no, as I just said I think, I think they will, I think they will I think really? they have to Incomings, Alistair, yeah, not go- outgoings I think there'll be outgoings as well, but okay. I do think there'll be uh, incomings. I think one, possibly two. I think they saw with Lucas Moura, it worked. Mm. Um, it, in terms of, yeah, he wasn't a great kind of impact to begin with. Pochettino didn't use him too much, but it prepared him for the following season. And it also gets in there ahead of the people when they're trying to do the race for players in the summer. Um, like I say, homegrown, yeah, I, I think they're keeping a close eye on some of those lads at Bournemouth. Um, I'd keep an eye there. Okay. So you can just give us that, Alistair. No name, just keep on the, on the lads at Bournemouth, yeah? <laughs> very, very well played. In the midfield areas, yeah. You can see why this guy's a journalist, can't you? He's fantastic. Alistair Gold, delighted to have him on the show tonight. Chris, over to you. Are you going to be better to throw us a name, Chris? Uh, no, I'm not. No? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there are no signings again. Really? I really wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be a, a, a surprise at all. Um Obviously, we all hope that we're going to spend big and we're going to get these fantastic players in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Europe. But Champions League teams have the best players yeah. and no one is going to sell their players in January. Um, 
I don't know why we all seem to think that we're going to sign these big players in January. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. And I probably agree with what Alistair said. If we do sign anybody, it will be um, a UK-based team, um, players that perhaps some of us haven't even heard of. But he will develop them into top internationals, as Pochettino always does. Okay, interesting. Jason, you're going to tell me then that the decision's been right so far at the moment, that signing nobody has maybe benefited this squad, Jace. No, we all wanted signings, but I think, you know, the one way I looked at it, Rick, and I, I remember we had the, the conversations, and I like Kovacic, mm. don't, don't get me wrong, I, I liked him, but what we always said is, when everyone is signing in the summer, there's this automatic reasoning for Yards fans that they've all strengthened, and I kept saying... Mm. They haven't necessarily strengthened. Not every signing will settle. And let's be fair, Kovacic hasn't set the world alight at Chelsea yet. Perhaps he has looked a little bit one pace for the Premier League. You know, I, I look at a player like Morata. I think Morata could be a really quality striker, but not in the Premier League. I think if he's got such technical skills to him that if you put him in France, in uh, in Italy, or you put him in Spain, he'll look a wonderful player. But he doesn't suit the Premier League. We've seen Fabinho struggle to come in at Liverpool and make much of And even Naby Keita hasn't really impressed anywhere near as much as I thought Naby Keita would. So, you know, perhaps what we've done by, by not signing someone and we've got off to our best start is we haven't had to introduce a player to Pochettino's training regimes like, like we did with Lucas Moura. All the players have known their roles. They, they've all got the understanding of, of what everyone else in the team's doing and perhaps we have benefited from that. Whether that lasts 38 games, you know, it may well be that as the season goes, others that signs do get stronger as they as they get used to the Premier League. But at the moment, you know, you can't really argue where we are. We're third in the table, what, no. you know, just a couple of points off. And let's be fair, going into the season on the back of no signings with so much negativity around, I don't think any of us really thought we'd be in that position. And we're all thinking, oh, we're not going to make the top four now. And, and the doom and gloom was out, wasn't it? You know, I'm not saying we'll go and win the league. I'm not even saying we'll win a trophy again. And it, it may well be we have to settle for yet another year where we finish fourth and no trophy. But you know what? This side's there's a lot more in this side. There's a lot more quality in this side than gets given credit for. And this rubbish that comes out, there's no depth in this squad. We're talking tonight about players coming in, all doing their jobs, all knowing their jobs. And, and every single person is performing. And even Foyth has come in and performed. So we shouldn't knock that. We really shouldn't. It's 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 a toss-up. I, I think the lads at Bournemouth are probably... I think Alistair's right. I, I can certainly see Tottenham being of interested in Nathan Ake, particularly with Vertonghen long-term. You know, the person that can play left-sided, centre-half. But I just look at anything like that and think it's going to be incredibly hard to do that in the January window, particularly with Bournemouth. Perhaps, perhaps Bournemouth really want to do push for a Europa League place this year and they're not going to sell a Callum Wilson or a Lewis Cook or a Nathan Ake just to solve Tottenham's problems. Well, it's been an incredible show. Alistair, Chris, I can't thank you enough. I'm sorry it's gone on longer than it has, but you know it's up with Tottenham on the back of a win. We can't stop talking about them. <laughs> Alistair, thank you so much for going back on. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. You know we love you on this show. <laughs> I've had a great time. Thanks for having oh, me. Always fantastic having me on. And Chris, thank you for a wonderful debut. It's been a pleasure. And I hope, Chris, like Alistair, you'll come back on the show very soon. Absolutely. Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Oh, just a reminder, we are back on Love Sport. Myself and Jason, Lee McQueen, Jeremy from the Daily Hotspur, looking back hopefully on Spurs, beating Inter Milan in the Champions League. Have a great week. And as always, come on you Spurs.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.